Hi, I'm Jerry Grant, and this is a series of programs we're calling Disc Jockey Confidential here on WVUD and WVUD HD1 Newark, the voice of the University of Delaware. I'll be interviewing some of my fellow VUD jocks to find out what path they took to arrive here at the station. We'll discuss their earliest experiences with music and radio and how those experiences inform their own show currently on WVUD. Today's guest is Mark Ellis, the host of The Morning Fog on Sundays on WVUD. Mark, welcome to Disc Jockey Confidential. Oh boy, here I am. Okay. Um, so tell us a little bit about The Morning Fog. The Morning Fog is a program of new age and associated music. It's been around for about 30 years, I believe. My memory is that when it first started, it was kind of a subset of the Avenue C Jazz program. It was like late, late on a Sunday night, I think it was. I, I remember the face of the person who started the program. I, I don't remember his name. I guess he graduated or something. And then a uh, long-term station member who's since left WVUD, uh, Drew Manassian, took over the, the programming of New Age Music. And he that's when it moved to Sunday mornings. And then Drew got married and actually married another one of our announcers, Ann Williams, and they moved off uh, and uh, went on to uh, other uh, parts of the country. I'll be honest, at that point, I, I can't say I knew very much at all about New Age music or anything like that, but uh, amongst other people, we talked about keeping the programming going on the, as opposed to anything else on a Sunday morning. Plus, being at a Sunday morning, not that there was a lot of other interest of anyone coming in at 6 a.m. to do any other kind of programs. Right. So uh, I... Uh, Myself and there have been a few other people over the years, but it's now it's the last year or so it's been just myself and I've come to know a lot. I guess I guess I know a lot about new age music and what differs between ambient and acoustic and electronic and things like that. And some of the music company, a lot of some of the music companies send us as with the other programming we have at WVUD, they send us music. Some individual local performers have sent us music as well. So it's a it's 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 a little off often a little corner of the radio station on a Sunday morning, but it. Uh, it has, has continued, and it's uh, it's thriving. It's not the only program that I do. I'm also the block coordinator for the Java Time programming, and I actually fill in my wife Ellen's Celtic music program on Wednesday nights on occasion. Occasionally, I filled in on the uh, the folk music program roots that we have Monday through Friday. But in past years, I there was a 15 year stretch when I was one of the re- one of the regular announcers on fine tuning. And it's interesting over the years because I've had people that have known me at different times in my stretch here at WVUD, which has been 40 years now. I came here in February of 1978 to go to school at the University of Delaware, and this was the second, like the second place I came to, or the first place. One of the, this in the University of Delaware's uh, newspaper. I was interested in the media, mm-hmm. um, though I was able to join the University of Delaware's newspaper, the Review. This place was just much more like, oh yeah, yeah, you'd be here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Oh sure, no problem. Right, <laughs> right. Because I started here as a newscaster, and for the first year or so, I was uh, strictly doing the news and and uh, broadcasting sports. I used to broadcast uh, hockey and soccer. And and it was before we actually broadcast the complete football games. It's an interesting story. I remember myself and Robin Bryson, who's now the longtime traffic uh, reporter at WDEL, WSTW. Robin and I were broadcast. We, what we used to, we were allowed to do because of the contract that the University of Delaware Sports Department had with whichever the local radio station was, a commercial station was to broadcast the University of Delaware football games. We couldn't broadcast the games, but we could do quarterly reports. So we went and set up in the what was then, I guess that was the, uh, not 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 where the big press booth was, but on the other side of the stadium. So we were broadcasting the first game, and all of a sudden, we, we you know, because it was a hot day, or beginning of the school year, we hear noise behind us. So we look out the back window of the booth, and down below us is the soccer stadium. Um, so we said, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a good spot to broadcast the soccer games. So then, and they said, well, you played soccer. Right? Like, I played soccer at home. 
uh, where I grew up. So turned around and we said, oh, we can do that. So after that, we broadcast the soccer games. And while at the same time, we were doing the, um, the quarterly reports oh, I see. for the football. So uh, oftentimes, right in the middle of a soccer, you know, the, the, the game would be going on. We said, oh, and it's time now for a quarterly report. Let's turn around <laughs> and, write in and, and report what's going on at the football game. So I did, I did a lot of that. But then an opening opened up. There was a, uh, a student, and this, may, this sounds strange now considering how the dynamics of WVD have changed over the years, a student named Ron Baker who was a bluegrass DJ on Saturday morning. Well, he graduated. And he needed a replacement. This was when Carl Goldstein was still doing the was doing the program, but before John and George, who now do RFD, had joined the station a long time before that. This would have been like 1979. So they said, "Oh, Mark, do you want to do uh, the bluegrass?" I said, "Sure, no problem." And this may lead into another one of your questions, which I think you, you might ask or we're going to ask. The music I listened to growing up, I grew up in the small town of Walpole, Massachusetts, which is just in the suburb of Boston. That was going to be my next That'll question. So let's question. just start with that. That's yeah. good. Okay. Um, I can't say there was much, there was definitely no, I had really had no experience attending live music, which is really strange considering my life now. I, I attend a lot of live music of all kinds. Um, but it, my my parents, and they weren't really into attending live music performances. Mm-hmm. And what music there was in the house uh, was my, my older brother, who's two years older than me, had a little transistor radio that we would listen to in bed at night because we, 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 he and I and our younger brother all were in the same bedroom. So... That what was what was pop radio in, ni- in the late nineteen sixties was what I was listening to, mid to late nineteen sixties, and not um, all that varied. By that time, FM radio was pretty much what was you know it was I mean what they call rock music was what we would probably now call very early heavy me- heavy very early metal was what my brother listened to. That was my first thing, and then I went to into school. I played clarinet in fourth grade, and, and then I was in the I think started played again in the in like. Middle, uh, what we what now calls middle school, junior high school band. Then I got to high school and I joined the, the choir and I joined the high school marching band. I, and I'd always wanted to play trombone, but I had a, I had a, like a, a minor heart murmur when I was like, at fourth grade. And my, and my and the doctor, said, oh no, no, can't play. Uh, tr- trombone is too, too, or trumpet is too hard of an instrument. So then my, my heart murmur resolved itself. I haven't had any problems with it since. Cross my fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played trombone in high school marching band. So by the time I got to the University of Delaware, which was a year and a half after graduating high school, I would say my what the music I knew was high school marching band music, and some classical, which you get in marching band music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, chorus, singing, singing choral music, and mm-hmm. and the, it was interesting. The, um, the 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 Walpole High School music director at the time was really into like gospel musicals. He wasn't. He was from. I can't remember where he grew up, but it wasn't from, it wasn't from down south, uh, and, he, and he wasn't African American. He was just into gospel music, so I, I had a lot of like you know, gospel music and show tunes. For instance, the gospel music, or, or um, I don't remember the individual things we we, mm-hmm. we sang and played, but it, it was but then scored for marching, like you know, for band. Oh, okay. Not only marching band, but also for you know, concert band. But then, interestingly enough, uh, starting when I was about maybe uh, thirteen or fourteen. My two sisters, their husbands, and my mother, that was when, if you remember, Hee Haw was on TV, mm-hmm. which all of a sudden, even in New England, even in the Boston area, there were all these people that were listening to, uh, you know, straight, sure. up, straight up commercial country and Western music. And about 20 or 30 miles west of us in central Massachusetts, there was a, um, uh, like a, a country music camp, of all things, and they brought in some big names. I, I mean, I, we used to go out there a couple times a summer, and I remember seeing... Ronnie Millsap, uh, the performer who was big at the time, um, 
Tanya Tucker when she was 14 or 15 years old when she was getting started out, and some of those other names from back then. So that was my that was my knowledge of music when I came came to Delaware to go to school. Okay, well let's let's stop right there. In your home growing up, were there any records in the house? Did people play records at all? No, no. no. That was I mean it was interesting seeing my for all sense of purpose, my parents had two sets of kids. They had three children right away when they got married, and then fourteen years went by, and then all of a sudden they had three more kids, and I was in that second set. Wow! So my sisters and brother were the children of the fifties. And they listened to, you know, I mean, they graduated high school late in the late 50s, around 1960. So they were listening to what you would expect from uh, 50s rock and roll, oldies. But the, the, I, I, I mean, there, was, there were no record players. There was nothing like that in the house. Then somewhere along the way, by the time I was like, I remember being in high school. And all of a sudden, well, I think one of my, my, brother, my brother or one of my sisters bought my parents an eight-track cassette player. Again, it was mostly country, western, and, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, some really the light end of pop music that people who were then in their 40s and 50s might want to listen to. Sure. I, I mean, and did you listen to the radio at home when you were listening? Do you remember any stations you were listening to? Well, growing up in the Boston area, um, WBZ. Sure. Actually, my wife Ellen, who grew up down here in Delaware, listened to WBZ because that was one of those she told me. Giants, yeah. uh-huh. giant, one of those giant stations that broadcast. I listened. To, I, didn't, I didn't tell her on the air, but I, uh, she was talking about how it actually had some like folk and maybe even Celtic programming on a Sunday or something. I used to send it to BZ with my transistor under the pillow and stuff because they would be the first like to play the new Hollies record or something like that. And I was really like, whoa, they're not playing that down here. I guess they were, I guess it makes sense that Boston was kind of a, of a, a you know, a funnel or whatever for British, all kinds yeah. of British music, yeah. I guess. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I remember in high school, uh, a friend of mine, for, for some reason, he picked up on listening to uh, CKLW, which was the Canadian station from, from Windsor, Ontario, across the river from Detroit. Detroit. Right. And he listened to rock, you know, out, out, straight out rock music from there. I mean, and th- th- so I'm, my memory is that there was CKLW, WOWO, and what, Fort Wayne, Indiana, long before the internet, long before any kind of networking. These were like the, the national radio stations that people listen to. So again, getting back to me and, 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 and my my musical influence, WV, WXDR, WVUD, in many ways has been my serious education when it comes to broadening my knowledge of music. I mean, I didn't listen to bagpipes. I, I knew nothing about Celtic music or Irish or Scottish. I, again, I knew country western music, but I, I really, other than when you would watch he, the TV show Hee Haw, and, and folks, if you, now that you can go back and watch all these old TV shows, you need to go back and watch Hee Haw because it wasn't aimed for the standard listeners to that kind of music. It was that was national when there was only th- three broadcast networks. That was a major right. program on what Saturday night or Friday night, broadcasting yeah. to mainstream America. And I mean, people like my dad, who was he was not into anything resembling country music at all. He he knew who Ray Clark and and Buck Owens and mm-hmm. then all these other performers. And that's obviously where people like Willie Nelson got some got some exposure. So you went to high school in. Walpole, Massachusetts. Walpole, Massachusetts. Okay, good. Did you say you took some time off after high school? Well, actually, one thing about my high school that um, may have helped me and what I when I eventually came down here was that when I was a I was in ninth grade, they they started a high school they 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 started a radio station at my high school. Okay. Um my memory at the time was that there was no other high school. I might be wrong, I, I'd have to double check. But there was definitely no high school radio station within within my listening area, mm-hmm. and literally most of my high school career was was spent physically putting this radio station together. We didn't get on the air until 
spring of my senior year. And I, and being, you know, like four or five of us that students that were in, and the, the high school teacher was, a, I was the news department. So I get, to, I mean, I mean, you know, for a first time on the air as a, as a senior in high school, I get to go and, and cover a fire down in the, because we were right, I, I lived in one end of town and we, the high school was like in the center of town. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a big, you know, big fire down, downtown, downtown Walpole. So I was down there with my microphone and cassette and recording. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and the fire chief, ironically enough, I knew the fire chief's son. So he knew who I, he knew who I was. And he, I guess he'd heard from my, my friend that he had, um, oh yeah, Mark Ellis and a couple of my friends are like doing a radio station. So he was very gracious. And he, he talked to us for like a minute or two. He didn't have to. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he was interviewed by the, the local town paper and maybe the local media from, you know, so I did mm-hmm. that, but it only lasted about a week. And then a windstorm came up and the antenna blew down. And then that, <laughs> then we were off the air until like the following fall. So I, that was my high school radio career. But it, well, you it, made it, the most of your time there. That's, I did. You know. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I did. And I mean, I learned how to write news stories. I learned how to like do a, what they call a news budget, which again, when I got here at w, to WXDR, that's what I did. When I did, because I came here and I, like I said, I, I, um, <laughs> I mm-hmm. came down here. What um, was your major when you started? When I first started, my major was English journalism. And then I changed to communications, and then I finished up with a history degree. Once or twice, I've had a few short-time, short-lived, um, part-time jobs in commercial radio. But mostly, I've just, I mean, and but it's been probably 30 years since the last time. It, was a, it became Bible, Bible covers, uh, airplane seat covers, uh, those kind of, it, um, and it was, the main ingredient was a, a, a compound called peroxylin. Which was, as I've come to realize, was probably one of the most dangerous, unhealthy things to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife always uh, kind of groans when I when, when I get around to telling. I mean, in the year and a half or so that I worked there, off and on between coming and going to school, I saw like four or five seriously bad injuries to people. It was just it was just it was it was at the very beginning of OSHA, you know, any kind of uh, government regulation of mm-hmm. of 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 workplace safety. So amongst other things, that was what made me realize I. You know, I, I just want to go to school. I, I, I went one year to Boston College. It just didn't work out because I was commuting from home. It just didn't work out. And then my brother, was, by that time, my brother had graduated high school, and he had came down, and he had started dating my other brother's sister, and they were from Delaware. That's not, that's the Delaware connection. My, I, my, my oldest brother. Yeah. And then my, my next older brother, who's two years older than me, and then uh, the, the older, older brother, uh, his second wife, he met her, and she was from, from down here. She grew up over in Newcastle. And then after my brother graduated high school, my other brother graduated high school, my other brother said, uh, if, you want to come, if you want to come live down here, we can, you know, can live with me, and then you can go. And, by that, and somewhere along the way, like about 14 or 15, with my brother having married the, the older sister, my other brother started dating the younger sister. So there was a connection down here. It's, yeah. It's, it, 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 okay. yeah. So... So by the time that I was a year and a half out of high school and thinking about, I, I'm, I'm really like, you know, spinning wheels, working in this factory, a driving taxi for a while. My brother came home from school for hol- for the holidays and he was taking the exact same courses that I had been taking at Boston College, same books. I said, well, why not? And he said, well, if you want to come down, you can, you know, you can, I'll do for you what our older brother did for him. You know, we, so I came down, we shared an apartment for a year and a half until he got married. And that's how I ended up at the University of Delaware. And like I said, I, I was here. I don't know if anyone has long enough memories, but I came down here in February of 1978, and the day after I got here, uh, Delaware got buried by like eight, 10 inches of snow. And back home in Boston, they got buried by three feet of snow. Well, three feet will, will, will shut down Boston. Mm-hmm. At that time, 10 inches shut down Delaware. 
everybody in that my brother's development had to get, grab a shovel and shovel all the way out to Route Four from the development. Wow, that was that was long before. I mean, there, there were probably more snow removal snow re, snow plows in my hometown than there were in the entire state of Delaware. But you know, New England versus Delaware at that time, they're a lot I better have. with it now. I'll give them a lot of credit. But so that was my first experience was like walking out to Route Four to get the bus uh, in, into university. And then my brother and I got an apartment, like in town court apartments, and that that, that was obviously that my career went on from there. Sure. And uh, so, like I said, because I had been involved both my high school newspaper and my high school radio station, they oh, there's a radio station, yeah. So I, I that was when we were up on the third floor. Sure. And I walked up there, and oh, and I, I walked into the into the into the air studio. Can't remember who was on the air. And I said, oh, I'm hi, I'm so so I just I'm a, I'm a new student. I want to join the radio station. And they said, well, what's your experience level? I said, well, I, you know, I was a newscaster and I you know, did a classical music show. Oh, well, walk down the end of the hall to the newsroom. They might have some news for you. So I walked down and uh, I, think it, I think it was uh, Kathy Ball, I think was the newscaster at the time, the, the news director. I said, oh, can you be here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to do the news? I said, sure. So I came in and at the, uh, you know, like I said, for the first six months or so, I, I just wrote up, I, I wrote up the news and then there were like four or five of us sitting around the room on the old typewriters, clack, 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 you know, very loud. Uh-huh. We had a teletype, clack, clack, you know, really loud, the old, old school. They would, you know, do the thing with the print out the paper with the news, the news report. Mm-hmm. And then we would take the story, we'd rewrite it to make it easier to read. And then we, and then the one person who was in the room that was uh, going to do the newscast, they would get the newscast. They would go down the hall. They would sit there in the, you know, in the, in what was then the, uh, the middle studio of the three studios we had. Right. And they would be looking at the DJ and the DJ would get to be, you know, six o'clock and, and you're on the news, and that that was the start. It was just writing the news, and then eventually I got to the point where I would, where I where I graduated to you know being one of the ones who read the news. My wife says my my Boston accent still comes through often enough, but I guess I had a pretty strong Boston accent back, a really really strong Boston accent back then. I don't recall, but anyway, but well, it was strong enough that I did my first newscast, and the the DJ at the time went to his girlfriend who was the news the overall news like information director, uh, and said. Um, so we we can't have him on the news. His, his accent's too strong, and I mean it's it's funny how you think now that they kind of even though there is a a certain homogenization of particularly with the cable news of the of the accent, you still will get people with you know strong regional accents doing news outside the region that they're from. So I just I just remember and as as interesting because the person that that said that was became one of my best friends, but at the time he was oh he, he's his accent's too strong and and she and she came to me and said. Well, there's a feeling here that at your accent, you need to, you know. Wow. But, and it was funny because she said that to me. And then some other guy walks in the room who was one of the other newscasters and he says something and she goes, no, no, this isn't, isn't going to work because his accent, I mean, he was like, he had a real strong New York accent. Oh, okay. I had a real strong Boston accent. And within like a week or two, we worked it out and, and I was back. And I and I, I made a conscious effort to try to, you know, to be aware of what I was saying. How I was saying. But I mean, that's the way I grew up. So, I mean- Right, right. As far as I'm concerned, all you guys have accents. So you started reading the news, and so and and, and also broadcasting some sports. Events. Okay, right, Soc- soccer, right, right. And hockey. Right, right. And I said this this uh, student named Ron Baker graduated. He had a bluegrass uh, program on in in the earlier of the two times. What's now the earlier of the two Saturday morning time slots? It was uh, actually it was like nine to eleven, and I think Carl came in eleven to one, maybe or something like that. And they said, "Well, you know, feel like doing this show?" I said, "Sure, why not? I can't say any much about it, but I." I, I very quickly learned what bluegrass was, and 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 I and I started going to some of the concerts that that Brandywine friends had. I remember going to some of the early, back when the Brandywine friends of old time music did the 
mountain music, traditional music convention as well. Uh, like, uh, right, right. They would do that earlier in the summer, and then they, they would do the, the Labor Day weekend bluegrass festival. And then just as the years went by, I just um, when opportunities presented themselves, I, I would occasionally do what at that time they called progressive rock. That was long before they, we had we had a program here for a long time called Cutting Edge, which was like the real alternative end of rock music. Um, but, I mean, at, and at one time or another, I mean, if they needed someone to fill in, I was I, I've, I've done Avenue C, uh, the reggae show. Um, I even did uh, our Latino music program one time when the, they couldn't make it for a snowstorm. Did the gospel show. So now, were you also weren't you general manager at one point? Yes, I was general manager when it was when we did not have a professional manager. We had uh, just I was I was, stu- I was the assistant manager, uh, assistant general manager with uh, Linda Ruman, who's, who's still one of our DJs. When she was Linda Berryhill, right? And then she graduated, and then I became the uh, the, the 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 station manager. What year was that? Do you recall? Nineteen eighty. Okay, uh, and that was a period. It was interesting. I. It's, it's it's amazing what shows up online occasionally. A year or two ago, I for whatever reason I just typed in oh my name and WXDR WVUD see if there's anything in there with my name on it, and if someone had scanned in all these articles from the review, the period when we were going from 10 watts mono to 100 watt stereo, which was several changes ago, and it was and it was a big controversy because uh, there were people at the university that thought that 10 watts was enough and. We didn't need to, have, you know, do that, and but it was also going to require an upgrade to the to the antenna at the Christiana Towers and things like that. So uh, that that was one of the big things that was going on at the time well, that we were dealing with. And again, being a student manager, a student head of a of a university student organization, and dealing with um, university professors, university staff, and uh, it was ongoing before I became the manager. Actually, on when Linda was. Uh, the station manager, we had, we had a, a, a very dynamic uh, program director named Ron Whitehead, who in addition to bringing in a lot of folks like yourself, uh, community members to do, to complement the kinds of music that we were presenting as we went, as we proceeded along in, in, in the FM days, uh, Ron took the, ran, ran with the ball as far as interacting with the, uh, with the, with the administration. And so I give Ron and Linda a lot of credit for getting us, to the point where we be, were able to make the change. And like, as I mentioned, Ron brought on, right, you and, I think he, he may even, I don't know if, I, he did not bring on Carl, I don't think. No, I think he brought on me and my partner BJ at the time. BJ Lorman, yeah. I think he brought in Jose. Jose. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. And uh, maybe, I think, oh, Neil Payne. Neil Payne, I he think, Neil presented Payne. himself to Ron. And, yeah, well, and Ron brought him on. Yeah. yeah that's more like Neil style. Would that's, that's and, and Bill Chambliss. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so. Right. No, Ron made a, a big a big contribution to the way the station sounds today. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. So, yeah, so that... Well, right. good. Well, let's see. What else? Um, let me just check my list here for a minute. I can always... Uh, well, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I, I was just interviewed by a reporter from the New York Post doing a story about us either, I guess, sometime in the next couple of weeks. And one of the things that she asked and I said to her was, um, she said, "Well, what what have you what what do you what do you feel you've you've gained from being involved at 40, for forty years at WV, WXDR WVD?" And I said, "Well, one of the big things, and I, I've talked about this before to other people, is well, when I first came here, I was a student. I was an older student, but I was a student, and also I had all these older older people who, I mean, you're not that much older than me, but Carl is, um, who treated me as an equal, 
And I mean, like maybe like a lot of other people, I mean, the few people I ever met that were the age of my parents were like usually my parents' friends or coworkers. And you usually never got to be friends with people like that separately from through the connections with your family or your friends or your, co- or your work. I mean, I, I obviously had plenty of coworkers, particularly those couple of jobs after high school that were my parents' age. Um, but then I came down here and it's like, we had a shared interest. It was, I mean, this, and, and, but, and, but then as the years went by, it reversed. Then I was the older guy. And then I, I, I got to less so with, with changes in circumstances in the last like five or 10 years, but definitely, you know, some of the best friends I've had over the years were students. While as I kept getting older, they kept being 20 years old. And, uh, but and a lot of them really were very dynamic and not all of them pursued radio as a career. Some did. Some were actually doing pretty well out there. I watched the news since I, I worked midnight shift at my job. I occasionally catch the news in the dispatch office and there's Matt O'Donnell doing the news on the, the Philadelphia TV station. Right. And Matt was, and, and we, we, those of us who knew Matt when he was here, we knew he was going to have a career either in radio or TV. And he's so good looking. No one, I'm, I'm glad he's on TV. But I, I mentioned Robin Bryson um, and some other folks that have come and gone from here. Uh, and not just in this area. I mean, we've had some people who've had some very serious careers uh, in other markets as well. I, I, I had a job driving a bus down into Baltimore a couple of years ago. And every once in a while, I'd listen to a guy named Rob Lang, who was one of our newsca- newscasters here years ago. I remember that name. He, yeah. was, he, was a, he was from the Baltimore area. And he went back down after being another couple of markets. And he's, he's been a regular on one of their radio stations now. He's, he's like their, I think he's their financial reporter or political reporter or something like that. So I was like, oh, I know that voice. I know that name. Wow. So- I mean that that's been one of the fun things here is getting to know people and and other cultures and other other walks of life. You might I, you might say that otherwise you never would have really got to know. It can be a family thing here too. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, my marriage is a result of a radio station romance. I guess Ellen has already told her side of this, but uh, she was working on I believe it was some kind of audition tape. I think it was at the time to join the radio station. We used to do a program called the Sunday Opera. You know, we, we put aside three hours on a Sunday to. to you know, most operas are like two and a half, three hours or longer. I think we had three, at that time, actually one time we had like noon to four. So we had a big chunk of time. So I'm sitting there with my head, well, headphones on in the air studio and, and Ellen was down down doing production. She comes in and she says, I, and uh, she needed help with whatever she was doing. And of course I take the headphones off and of course I was listening to the Beatles <laughs> on one on one of the, and, and, and the, uh, the recording of the opera and she said, that's not opera. <laughs> So I went down, I helped her out, and then well, I obviously developed an interest in her, and she developed an interest in me, and then, then I asked her out, and we've been together ever since. Wonderful. And as the years have gone by, it's it's, it's an interesting story in a way, because it has become kind of a family thing. Our daughter, Heather, who's now in her late 30s, she was the the first female club DJ that they had down here. Back in the old days when it was Club 91.3, when they started the, the, the rap hip-hop Mm-hmm. She was only 15 at the time, so we had to, one of us had to come in with her and be in the station with her, and she did that for about a year. And then her, as happens with you know kids, some, her interest went off somewhere else. But uh, we've had I think all three of her children, our grandkids, come in on Ellen's show and, and read announcements, including our our 10 year old granddaughter who did it about a year, a couple of months ago. It was the last time she was in here, and she was actually pretty good. And then our other another one of our grand grandchildren, Gage, has been on the air with us well, not recently, but he's now in his 20s. So it's a fa- you know WVUD can be a family thing as well as a friend thing. Sure. So uh, like I said, we're not the only radio station romance, but uh, we know ours worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So. Good. Well, that's good. Well, that's that's yeah. good. That is a nice story. Well, well, we'll end on that story, okay? All right. And I'll just say thanks, Mark, for coming in. You're welcome. Mark Ellis, uh, host of The Morning Fog on Sundays and various other shows when you least expect to see him.